He's an eight-time Louisiana Association of Broadcasters Award winner. And he snapped a ball through his legs. Wait, what, why does your name get to go first? Shut up. This is Scone and Tea. Because they made us. Okay, so you more interested in LSU, Kentucky at 6 p.m. on January 4th with Dale Brown Court being named or unveiled or LSU, Kansas State, January 4th at 8 p.m. in Houston? Uh, Why not both, right? That seems to work out pretty well there. I said, uh, which one are you more interested in? College game should be ending right for a little... College basketball game should be ending right in time for some football. Um, Somebody did have the suggestion of just playing the game on the PMAC jumbo screens and just let people stay and, and watch the game at yeah, the PMAC. That's a good idea. I Look, I, I think that for me personally, I'm just a football nut, so I'll always kind of go football overall. But with the way this LSU basketball team is trending and, uh, and just like the, the potential of what they could be and, and Dale Brown stuff, yeah, I, I would say on balance, the basketball game is – more interesting. Uh, the LSU Kansas State game is interesting for a couple of reasons, though, in that it's incredibly unique. I was I was saying this this morning. Uh, these two teams so rarely. I mean, what is? I, I didn't even look it up. Like, what's the all time series? They've here? only played once before. Okay, so exactly. So you so rarely cross swords that this is one of those games where if you're, chances are, if you're listening to this, you're kind of an LSU football nut as well, and so. No matter what happens in this game, this would be a game like 10 years down the road. You'd be like, oh, remember when LSU played Kansas State? And like, I guarantee you're going to remember it because these are the only times that these two teams will uh, will square up with one another. We tried to play a game earlier of naming one to two current Kansas State players, and Oof. we could not come up with any. Yeah. I Like, I was racking my brain um, trying to think if I've watched a K-State game this year. And I mean, you, you, know, you and I did pregame together for so long. Like, you know what it's like when you're in studio and we've got like four, five TVs with all these different games on. Yeah. So over the course of the day, you're ingesting an awful lot of teams. And so you see almost almost everybody. I, I don't think I watched Kansas State at all this year. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't remember i don't remember watching them play at all so i can't tell you a darn thing about them other than their coach chris Kleiman. 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 Kleiman, what a base down it's a uh, Kleiman is his name he's the guy that won all the championships at north dakota state climbing the rankings he left there for uh for kansas state and uh he's had a little bit of a rough go uh since taking that job so um, the COVID year, I think they were four and six or four and seven. Uh, they're seven and five this year, but year. Uh, not 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 Bill Snyder esque in his Michael Bishop heyday. Uh, not Colin Klein should have won the Heisman, but gagged it away in the last week of the season esque. Beat Stanford twenty four seven to start the year. Uh, I think the only game I was looking back at their schedule because I remember watching for like five minutes one game. And I think that only game was the Oklahoma one, where they lost Um, 37-31. But, yeah, I I don't know. I can't name a single player. I I think we came up with that the quarterback's last name may be Thompson, but I'm not sure on that. Smith? Um, Slippy? Yeah. John John Smith. Uh, St. Samson. Yes. Knew it started with that. Look, I think of Darren Sproles. I think of Bill Snyder. I think of Little Manhattan. 
which in my mind, how I associate Kansas State It's is. not Little Manhattan. What it's is? just Manhattan. They uh, call it the Little Apple. That's what they call it, the Little yes, Apple. They call so it the I always apple. think about like a tiny little Empire State Building, like a teeny tiny little apple on top. Hmm. And also, my first football team I ever played for were the Duluth Wildcats. Got it. And we had the same unis, sick unis, as uh, Kansas State. Yep, purple. purple and gray. Same unis back in the Steal day. Steal the Wildcat logo on the helmet. Yep. It's an awesome logo. And, uh, and that's when Darren Schultz is badass. So I've always actually had a little bit of a soft spot for Kansas State. So hell yeah, dude. I'm excited. Seven and five, six and six. That 03 Kansas State team was won, won the Big 12, rolled Oklahoma. 35 nothing in the Big 12 championship game. Yep. But OU still got a, a crack at the natty. Um, and then 98, remember the 98 team as well with Michael Bishop. So I lied. That must be the team that I remember when I was younger because that's exactly when I got those uniforms. Yeah. 98, 98 was old. a really yeah. good team with Michael Not Bishop. Scrolls. And um, they um, they played uh, Texas A&M in the Big 12 championship. He had a great Big 12 championship game back in, in 1998. A&M won that game. And uh, went on to uh, to play Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl mm. that year. Ohio State beat Aiden in the Sugar Bowl. Went, yeah. went to that game too. So Joe Germain was the quarterback for Ohio State. Fuck you, Kansas State. You Why would you say that? Hands. Oh, okay. Yeah, bowl game. I don't know. It feels like you don't want to bully them. Now. You don't want to bully them at all. This feels a lot like when LSU drew Texas Tech in the uh, in the 2015 Texas Bowl. Yeah, and look what happened there. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes got roughed up a little bit. Bum. Um, you know, but it does. So, I mean, the draw probably isn't surprising. Um, the uh, I know we talked about it. Like, I think the most commonly heard draws I heard for LSU were Texas and Birmingham. Uh, just because, again, I know we've talked about this, but like after the New Year Six, the highest ranked um, SEC team not in the New Year Six goes to the Citrus. That's Kentucky this year. And then everyone else just gets placed, right? So we knew the SEC placements before we even knew the opponent. So, like, formally. Yeah. Because the SEC is going to basically put teams in bowl games where you know uh, you have a greater chance of fans traveling. So LSU's alumni base in Houston and in Dallas and proximity to Baton Rouge and all that stuff is kind of what what just makes it um, easier there. But But it also goes to show you, man, like, the the record doesn't all, the record doesn't really dictate the bowl game anymore. like that that 2015 LSU team if you remember was they they had the, the season opener against McNeese canceled from the Lightning if you remember so they only yeah, played the they only so played last time that Mike the Tiger got in the cage willingly to go oh, around really? the field, is that a fact which is like a we should have seen at the time pretty pretty bad omen wow. for what was coming don't get me started on Mike the Tiger in the end of the miles there he's a coward. Wow. Get your ass in the cage. Wow. Dude. Get your ass in the cage. You got one job. I can't even. You I live this pristine even. life. No. Nope. They built you this million dollar habitat. Right now. You nope. get you get fed you get fed gorgeous meals yep. of, of beef shaping into mascot. Yeah. Opposing mascot. He's not a dancy monkey. You get dental care. Okay. You get dental care. You get your own pool. He's a majestic. You big live cat. this this lavish lifestyle, and all I ask is that seven days out of the year, get your ass in a cage and take one lap no. around the field. That's all I ask. No. That's all I ask. He's very scared. He's a, he's a, he's a freaking then, big then, cat. Then prod him into the damn cage. Oh, prod him wow, in. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I want to be clear that here on Scone and T, we are firm anti-animal abuse. I don't find that podcast. to be animal, animal abuse. 
Wow. You're not abusing an animal. You're just making it go into a cage and take one lap around the field. No. I think we did enough abusing of tigers probably so we're like, yeah, we can go a few years with the tigers being overly pampered. Uh, when you hear stories back in the day of like straight up prodding the tigers to like yell outside of uh, locker rooms and whatnot, which objectively is cool as fuck, especially in a more ignorant age. But, you know, when like... When I was more stu- cognizant of like tiger needs and when stuff. I was a student, the thing that got the tiger to yell was the costume tiger. They would just get, they would get the costumed Mike to walk up to the cage, and Mike the Fifth would like lunge in his in his cage at the costume well, tiger. Can you think about how horrifying it would be if like a paper mache version of yourself, but like as like this, like imagine how disfigured a Mike the Tiger mascot suit must look to a tiger and now just translate to like a human with your head, but like grossly disfigured and weirdly proportioned and walking up to you. It'd be fucking scary. No, it wouldn't be scary. I would just be like, oh, that's an awful paper mache replica of me. No, no, you'd be very confused. No, I'm not because I'm not a tiger. I'm a human being with Mm -hmm. actual sensibilities Mm -hmm. and, and a soul and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, not Oof. the ability to reason. Not like a tiger. Tigers don't have souls. No, they don't. Now? Animals don't have souls. Oh Jesus, dude! All dogs go to heaven. Sorry, no, they don't. Kids, sorry, they don't. Kids, damn. There are no dogs in heaven. Wow. Whoa. Okay. Well, We're let's brought back to you by the up. Bayou Carl and Oyster let's Company. Back it up. Back it up a little bit. <laughs> out of the cage. Out of the stadium. Back into Bayou Carlin. Go get some tasty oysters. Uh, look, if you want to order online, promo code SCONE and T-BioCarlin Oyster. How did we get there, by the way? 15% off uh, the McNeese game. You were saying something about the McNeese game oh, and you said, in 2015. Yeah, yeah. got it. Um, either way, BioCarlinOysterCo.com, promo code SCONE and T. And if not, look, all Alexander's Market, Rouse's, all your local Louisiana uh, grocery stores are now carrying them as well. So you can just go pop them in the oven, heat them up, and eat them. They're delicious. So... That that 2015 team that went to the Texas Bowl, remember they were undefeated. They were the number one. They were the number two team in the first. Yeah. That was Fournette's bonkers ass year. Yeah, they were the number two team in the first college football playoff. Frankie's that lost to Bama, lost to Arkansas, lost to Ole Miss. So they had a three game losing streak. Then they beat A and M in the Miles game when he carried off the field. But had they played McNeese, they would have been nine and three. Yeah, and so like the Texas Tech Bowl bowl game against Texas, the Texas. The Texas Bowl game against Texas Tech, Jesus, yeah, would, would have gotten them their tenth win for all intents and purposes, yep. right? And so you just look by contrast, like how seasons sometimes go. the The Fiesta Bowl was a nine win team, right? The Notre Dame Citrus Bowl team was a nine win team, yep. nine win regular season. So I, I, I just, I know some people may like be disappointed the bowl, but they really kind of all are the same now if you're not in the New Year's Six. I know we're programmed to think differently about it, but they kind of are. So do you want to see your team go play football one more time? And I do. Yeah, I mean, as, yeah. But as a player, you were saying the players are probably bummed. Oh, no. I was saying they're, they're not pissed by the bowl game. They would be – I, I – and I, and I saw one of them at Rouse's the other day when I was there on Friday, and I told him I had to break the news they were probably heading to the Texas Bowl. And he was like, fuck. <laughs> <'Cause> like, <laughs> oh, that sucks. I mean, nobody, bro, if you're not playing, to your point, if you're not playing in New Year's Six or Ferdinandi or anything, you, you want a bowl game, but you want to get in and get it out, right? You want to be able to enjoy Christmas with your family, mm. enjoy the Christmas season. That's what, like, as a player in this situation, like, certainly a little December 18th Independence Bowl was looking mighty juicy, right? Get it played, get it done, go back for Christmas. What uh, When was the Birmingham Bowl? Um, I, 
I always thought Birmingham Bowl was later. It may be like the 27th, which is not ideal because that's definitely going to uh, fuck 28th. up. 28th. Okay, so that's going to yeah, fuck that, up your Christmas pretty so hard. So really, the Independence Bowl is the only one that would have happened before Christmas. But even then, you're still done with like two or three weeks before you return for school, right? With the Texas Bowl, Matt, I don't know what time LSU semester starts, but like you're going to be back at it a week later. And you're not like you're not like one of these New Year's teams or a playoff team playing for a playoff or anything. I mean, you're playing for pride and all that, but like, yeah, bro, that means you got like two weeks now where you got to kind of wait for practice to start back up. Then you'll get done and you'll maybe have like a couple days off and then you'll roll into uh, a new semester of school. So it's just, in, in my opinion, as a player, you would have liked to get in, get out, got this thing done with. But uh, I, I get, you know, t- here, here's the inter- most interesting part about the timing, though, is. Does it bring Brian Kelly into the coaching fold no. at all, given the extra time? No way. That's a terrible idea. I don't think so. Given That's a especially horrible idea. Um, the the just the sincerity and genuine excitement and thankfulness and opportunity that Brad Davis was talking about yesterday is being the name the interim head coach. I don't think you can muddy those waters uh, either. Right. I now. think it's less about that. It's more about. How in the world can a coach who knows nothing about these players, the scheme, the this season, right? Players, personnel, scheme, all of this stuff that's there right now, coaching staff. How can that guy step in and realistically have any expectation of leading this team to a degree of success? I Like, I remember Sonny Dykes did this. Sonny Dykes did this when he got the SMU job. He got the SMU job. He was there for like two weeks. He coached in the bowl game. They got shithoused. I mean, it was awful. I mean, I don't know how you could expect that to go well. Uh, I mean, well, didn't Kelly actually do it and win? That's, they said, I know Hanegraaff asked him about that in his press conference. And apparently at some point, I don't even know what that he was beat, about. He beat, he beat, so he beat the same team. He's the only person ever to do this. He beat the same team twice with two different teams. Oh, God. Like he had beaten somebody with Central Michigan and then went to Cincinnati. Went to Cincinnati and played them again in the bowl game and then beat them with Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I. Again, I don't even know if I mean as much as like being the head coach on game day, right? But you're now going to have about two weeks to get your staff signed in and all that, and then practice will begin. So, like, I mean, do you keep that guy off the practice field? I mean, that, that that's just where the timing of it gets gets a little interesting. So, I, again, I don't have a great read on the situation because, quite frankly, it's a situation that I had never really considered and haven't seen firsthand. So just some food for thought, something to keep an eye on is does the later date maybe allow Kelly to get involved in some way, form, or fashion? Maybe that way he can hire Joe Brady and bring him oh, in God. to be uh, the BOC? I think the bigger, we can talk about that, but I think the big, and, and literally like while you were talking, I got a text on my text app from Mike Genovese. Does Brian Kelly go after Joe Brady? If I got dude, the old, if I had a dollar for every time I was asked, then yeah. I'd be fucking rich yeah. in the last twenty four hours after that. Yeah. But we can talk about that a bit. But I really think for Brian Kelly, the what happens in this bowl game is negligible. The greater important uh, of greater importance to Brian Kelly is finishing out this recruiting class, getting your staff hired. Focus all of your energy yes. there and not on a, a stupid Texas Bowl game against Kansas State. No, like, I agree. What I'm saying is, though, the timing may be such that you could actually have your staff lined up and you would be through signing day and then practice starts. I still think you're going to have a buffer there where you won't. And the the time, yeah, the time is going to be interesting. I say just leave well enough alone as it is. And there's no need to go right there. 
the bigger questions obviously are the signing period and the staff and uh we did have some staff news mickey joseph has formally taken a job in nebraska i've said this on air i'll say it again um he was told that he would be evaluated after the bowl game but nebraska was offering a hundred thousand dollars more than he was making now yeah so it was sort of like a bird in hand type thing he while he probably was going to be safe in particular because of his ability to recruit new orleans he just felt like he couldn't take that risk and i respect that so he's going to make more money go back to his alma mater he's taking a risk though there because scott frost is very much on the hot seat Mitsukocha took a pay cut to to come back for another year as opposed to coaching baton rouge and brian kelly who's financially tied to lsu for the next decade so if you're on brian kelly's staff you'd have much more staff stability than he'll, he'll have there but thought on mickey joseph yeah i mean i i think um look man you can't keep everybody and i know that we haven't been through like a full regime change here in a long time but there was a lot of like oh well you got to keep this guy though oh and maybe keep this guy you know maybe keep this guy because of that uh mickey joseph i would put him i mean the the only guy like okay definitely court raymond obviously um You'll never catch me saying no about Kevin Falk, obviously, though. Though it is interesting with Falk where maybe the actual on-the-field coaching isn't necessarily the reason why you're doing so as much as just like he is Louisiana legend. And if you're looking to get inroads, he opens a lot of doors. Uh, and then third, I would put Brad Davis. And I, I and, and then after that, I don't know, man. I mean, I would even go Blake Baker before Joseph. So I'm not, um, again, great for New Orleans relationships and recruiting. Uh, I, I think I'm a little disappointed when I'm watching – Max Johnson have to take sacks against zero blitzes because wide receivers aren't doing very basic wide receiver things at side adjusting their routes. So I, I don't I don't think it's the 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 biggest loss, but I could be wrong. So I also maybe I'm not giving enough credence to the New Orleans connections because I don't know that scene uh, super well. But uh, in terms of just on the field, I don't think it's the the worst thing. And the Frost thing is interesting because he's in that spot where like you know Nebraska is so funny, right? lose every game by basically uh, a, a touchdown, like one score or less. And you could tell yourself, oh, well, you're on the verge of breaking through. But sometimes you see those situations where it goes completely awry, and then they just like implode the next year. So we'll Maybe. see what Scott Frost can do. Well, with, with Mickey, the the New Orleans – listen, you if you're going to be the head coach at LSU, you have to have someone on your staff who who is intimately connected – in the New Orleans high school scene, yeah, it I, New Orleans high school football coaches are a fraternity, and I I don't mean that in a negative connotation anyway. They're just a very tight knit group that take care of their own, and that's why Frank Wilson had great success. He had been at O'Perry Walker when Frank Wilson left for UTSA. They brought in Jabbar Jaluk for a year, and you know Jaluk was basically fired by Les Miles after one year, and that did not go over well with a lot of the coaches in New Orleans. And bringing in Mickey Joseph has kind of would smooth that over. Yeah. And so, I mean, you've been able to go to – I mean, Mickey Joseph has gotten Jamar Chase, and he's gotten John Emery. I know Emery's career hasn't gone the way people people want it, but, I mean, they've gotten big-time players out of the greater New Orleans area in large part because of Mickey Joseph. So, you know, if Brian – like, there is no choice. Brian Kelly has to replace Mickey Joseph with someone with deep ties to New Orleans. The name that I've heard is Cortez Hankton – who is the receiver coach at Georgia right now. He's from New Orleans. There you go. Um, he, he played major college football, played in the NFL, and um, and is coached, obviously, in the SEC. I think coached at Vanderbilt as well. Now he's at Georgia. But um, that's that's a name to keep an, an eye on. I don't think anything's done. You know, Georgia was playing this weekend, but you know, that's, that's a name to keep it. But you just rest assured, 
Brian Kelly will hire someone with deep connections to New Orleans yeah, exactly. to be able to recruit that area. Um, and then we also got the news that Tommy Moffitt uh, has been let go. I, I can't say it's a terrible surprise because there have been a lot of rumors that that was going to happen. Um, really a, a house cleaning, not just with the on-field staff, but a lot of support staff around football ops is probably going to happen. Um, but you can speak more. I, listen, candidly, I did see Tommy Moffat on Saturday. I went to the Catholic High State Championship game. His youngest son, Brady's a junior. Yeah. Um, I, I know his son's... Uh, Aaron, Third Moffat State Champion. Yeah, well, Clay Clay was a baseball state champion. Yep. Okay, there you go. And then uh, Aaron won the football title in 2015 on the team with Clyde. And now Brady, who's a who's actually a junior left tackle, he's backing up Emory Jones. Wait, who's, Brady's playing left yeah, tackle Yeah, he, he's the now? backup left tackle behind uh, behind Emory wow. Jones who's committed to LSU. So, wow. uh, so Brady will, will be a left tackle next year. But, um, but look, I mean, I'm not going to disclose what our conversation was about, but suffice to say that Tommy Moffitt's going to have a, a ton of opportunities, do whatever he wants to do, yeah. so he'll be fine. Um, but, I, I the, listen, I, I'll you obviously played play for him. I know your affinity for him. I just know the man. I've known him for a long time. Um, covering the program and then knowing his family as they came up through Catholic High and all that sort of stuff. Um, and him, his wife, they're three boys. They're awesome people. And I just I respect the heck out of their whole family. They're amazing people and the fact that so many former players and coaches over the last 48 hours have so publicly reached out uh, and expressed their admiration and respect for him I think speaks volumes about him hell of a run man 21 years in one place is almost unheard of in college football so I mean a a hell of a run and and Brian Kelly has kind of got to nail this man because there's going to be if you if you let a Tommy Moffat go you know, you got to nail it with who's next. Yeah, this is not unlike, uh, it's not actually too hyperbolic to say that this is a bit like trying to replace a Nick Saban-level character in strength and conditioning. Like like you were talking yeah. about one of the all-time greats. Um, and, and again, you know, I'm, I'm Coach Moffitt's my favorite coach I've ever played for. So that plenty of times and played in different areas. Um, he taught me, you know, the importance of not just physical strength, but mental strength. Uh, I, I, I literally carry lessons into every day of my life that that man taught me. So I could not be more thankful for him. Now, I said all this online, and I think a lot of people you, you took it as like implied criticism of the move. Um, again, I'm not the one to make this call because I am way too biased and way too emotionally invested. Uh, I'm not actually criticizing the move, not because I think that Moffat had lost a step. I mean, look, I, I think the situation had become very toxic the last couple of years through no fault of his own. Um, so not because I thought that Moffat had lost a step, but it goes back to what I said earlier. This is the first time that we've experienced true regime change in a long time. And... Uh, it's almost like this is not even just starting fresh from the Ogeron or Miles era. We're talking about even maybe starting fresh in a lot of ways from the Saban era at yeah. LSU. And Moffitt, for better or worse, was one of those ties. And if you're a new head coach, you know, you want to have a guy, ideally, that's maybe going to be there with you for like five years at least. Uh, what's what's Coach Moffitt's plans? I can't speak to that. Uh, again, I, I, I get why Kelly does it. Um or did it, and and I still think that Coach Moffitt is one of the best coaches in the entire country. And if he wants to keep coaching, well, that will be proven out. Um, but maybe he doesn't. Maybe he wants to get into something else. Either way, I love that man dearly, uh, but I do get what Kelly's doing. But like you said, a lot of pressure because you are following in one of the all-time bests. It's footsteps. 
the tough thing for Coach Moffat is when you've been here for 21 years, your family's here, your roots are here, your, your kids are, are here. Like, yeah, do you want to go? Do you want to move? Yeah, I, no. I, I don't. I don't know that he does. So we'll. Yeah, we'll. We'll see. But I, what I do know is he's got plenty. He's got plenty of options uh, if he does. Um, but our our congrats on an awesome run. To, to Tommy Moffat, and we'll see what's next for, for LSU. I know some people have mentioned Jacob Flint. That's a report from Pete Sampson of The Athletic. He was a co-strength and conditioning coordinator at Notre Dame. Um, we'll see. Nothing's been formalized there, but that's that's something that potentially Brian Kelly could bring one of the, the co-strength and conditioning coordinators from South Bend here. Um, and then there's the, the coordinator jobs, offensive and defensive. I mean, I'll tell you names that I've heard. I don't mind throwing this out in the same way that we did with head coaching stuff. I, I just want to underscore I don't think anything's finalized at all I don't know what way Brian Kelly's leaning but some name I heard three names offensively and they were all pretty obvious uh Jeff Lebby from Ole Miss mm-hmm. Kendall Browse from Arkansas yeah. and Chip Long from Tulane well Chip Long was on staff he was Brian Kelly's OC at Notre Dame and oh. they did part ways a few years ago oh. but when they were together they had amazing offenses oh. and I don't know what Internal, it wasn't like an on-field issue. It was something internally that led a difference of opinions, whatever. And so Chip Long left, and he that too late. But he just this weekend took the Georgia Tech OC job, so he's out. Okay, I was about to say it feels like that would if you're if you're splitting ways for off the field reasons. I I would be hard pressed to imagine you getting back together. Sometimes it might be forced though. Like they, it was during that era where you know, they came off the. Um, you know, they, they came off the, the losing season and they started putting together these offenses that were scoring 32, 35 a game. I mean, the big, really successful offenses. Um, and Chip Long was was the OC then. But but it's irrelevant now. He took the Georgia Tech job. Uh, Lebby is the no-brainer. If you get him, the one downside is he's probably going to be a head coach. He's a Sexton client, and he's going to be head coach really soon. Uh, and there's a lot of talk, obviously, out of Ole Miss that if Lane Kiffin were to leave, Lebby was going to be elevated to head coach. So if you hire him, great, but... It's probably going to be a short-term thing. Well, also, um, it don't look like Lane's going to be going anywhere. No. Not in Miami, at least. Has a uh, Chris? Oh wait, no, Lane to Oregon. Good. Actually, that does kind of make sense. Well, Lane Kiffin apparently. <laughs> uh, Lane Kiffin has had a a contract extension on the table from Ole Miss for quite a while now, and and he hasn't signed it because he was actively trying to pursue other opportunities and uh, you know there's some reports that maybe he's he might lean into that now because it looks like his options are limited but um and, and i mean the numbers that i heard were significant like eight million dollars yeah everybody's getting eight million no i know chris ball's getting eight but he was but he was making but he was making five yeah. i think yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a significant rate oh yeah hell yeah well chris ball is making four at oregon he's now getting eight at miami uh, by the way, so Miami, so it's official now. Cristobal is taking that job, so they're they're buying out Diaz, buying out Cristobal, and paying Cristobal. Uh, where are the funds coming from? Uh, the Nevin Shapiro. Uh, no, the University of Miami Medical like Network made a four hundred million dollar profit last year. I'm like, bro, we're getting shit. For using a little side cash from Our Lady of the Lake to maybe give a job here or there, fund some players. Fuck it. Just do it the legal way. Just take advantage of a broken healthcare system where you make $400 million in fucking profit and then put it back in the school. Like, hell yeah. Genius. $400 million in profit. Also, apparently, I, I just read about this, too. Um, I did not realize, so I guess Cristobal's wife 
is the brother of this guy, John Ruiz. The mayor? Um, who is, is he? The, I don't think he's the mayor. Okay. He's Miami Booster, but he owns a company called MSP Recovery, which is worth over $20 billion. The crystal ball is deeply, and, deeply rooted. Yeah. And he has said that he they are ready to significantly support the Miami team and that he wants to build a new stadium, yada, 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 yada. So, so it makes it, so there's a lot pulling crystal ball back to, uh, Miami. I still don't understand it with Cristobal. He failed at U, at FIU. Um, they got drummed this year twice by Utah. Uh, they had one impressive win at Ohio State. There's no doubt it was an impressive win, but they were not good otherwise. That I don't I don't get it. Uh, he's he has a reputation as a hell of a recruiter, but I I'll just, I'll go on record saying I I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. Um, I mean, he cuts an impressive. I like the cut of his jib, right? He's like very manly and has like a square jaw. But that's, um, yeah, and the Ohio State win. Like that's, that, okay. that's basically it. Um, that hey, does bring up hey. an interesting DC possibility in Manny Diaz. Your worth is what somebody is willing to pay you. Yeah. Right. Uh, that'd be kind of interesting. You have Blake Baker on staff and you bring Manny Diaz to you be could. DC. I mean, that would, there's some synergy there. But, um, you know, I don't know that Blake Baker left Miami because. You know, he didn't like Manny Diaz. Just LSU was a better opportunity. I mean, I know he was at, he was DC in Miami, right? So he le- it seemingly left for a demotion. But Baker, if I'm not mistaken, had ties to Louisiana as well. His wife, His uh, wife. played soccer here when we yeah. were in school. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. there's there's a lot of and he played at Tulane. Yeah. So, so there, uh, there, yeah. Was, there was connections. He's a um, short kid. I'm not entirely sure on that. But yeah, there it was it was a bit of returning for home for him as well. Makes sense. Um, and another name that has been mentioned that of course is going to be mentioned is Pete Golding, who's the DC at Alabama, who's from Hammond. And people say, well, why would he leave Alabama? Well, money if LSU's going to pay it, um, home. And to get away from Nick Saban, who's a tyrant. I mean, a lot of assistants leave Alabama for that reason. Yeah, I guess the problem is I think that Kelly may be similarly Maybe. tyrannical, Maybe. potentially. But I, but you're home and you make more money. It so. would be it would be a big dick pull if you pull Goldie. Now, now Alabama wouldn't care. They would just do. They always do. They would just reload and replace. Get the next one. But it would be interesting if nothing else. Right, so let's have the Joe Brady conversation. Joe Brady okay. fired in Carolina. Um, which to me is interesting for a couple of reasons. First off, they've obviously had horrible quarterback situations, right? They went all in on Teddy. It didn't work. Uh, which again, probably on Brady because he probably said, you know, that's my guy from New Orleans. I want to go in. So they go there. They go Darnold. Disaster. Then they have Cam Newton. Christian McCaffrey's been hurt for two years. The point is that the context of all of this is that that's been a tough job to try to be that OC given the pieces you've been given. Um, and yet you sit here at five and seven. You're not awful right and so when i see an outright firing matt in the middle of the season i can't help but feel that like it was to me it reads like rule thought that he was doing an actively bad job you know what i'm saying or that there was something extra there like like it's not because because five and seven when you've had christian mccaffrey out the entire year it had been asked for sam darnold and 2021 Cam Newton to be your quarterback like it's actually not a bad record overall and I get that the offense has sucked but like I guess my point is how's it supposed to be good so that just tells you that and, and this does make sense with how green he was when getting this job that tells you that Matt Rule's like you know what maybe this guy just wasn't quite ready yet for this stage that's just my opinion that's my read on the situation and real quick I don't think else you should go after him you've been chasing the ghost of Joe Brady for two years now to your detriment um, unless look if Brian Kelly wants to hire him I trust Kelly's 
evaluation overall, but my answer would be no. Let's just let Brady kind of find his way elsewhere. Absolutely not. And I'm sick. I'm sick and I'm sick and tired of LSU fans blowing up my Twitter, my text, everything with the Joe Brady idea. Um, Joe Brady was a great fit at LSU in 2019 for the role they needed him to play. I think what we we saw the greatest offense ever, and he was a piece of that. My contention has always been that he has gotten more credit than he deserved for 2019, but he was an integral part in bringing concepts and things that weren't there before. But Steve Ensminger was the play caller. Yeah. Like, this is something that is so lost, and it's a national media narrative that has bled in, in, into the spot here locally that people have lost. T, Steve Ensminger was the OC. He called the plays. Yeah. Steve Ensminger and George Munoz worked with the quarterbacks. Joe Brady sat next to Steve Ensminger. He coached wide receivers. And worked with receivers. <laughs> like, And they were great. Objectively, the receivers were awesome, but yes, that's what he coached. he's a good – I'm not saying that. But you know what we talked about earlier this year with Pete's? And, like, I, I think the point I made was you can know a lot about offense, but calling a game yeah. is a very different skill set. Oh, yeah. Jake Pete's would run circles it. around any of us. Like, he'll sure. forget more football than I'll sure, ever know. Sure, no doubt. Doesn't and, make him a good play caller. And Joe Brady might be similar, but this is the point I made. Brady was not the play caller in 2019. This is what people have, have completely ignored from that. You had a transcendent quarterback. You had a very skilled, very veteran play caller. How many times have we talked about it? You had this NFL offense. No, I mean, the thing, I mean this, but, it, but was, Brady, it was all these elements coming together yes. in a perfect storm of good. And, and Like, you needed... Three decades of play calling experience in Steve Insmeyer combined with the new concepts of Joe Brady. You had the quarterback to run all. You had these NFL guys to throw it to. Like, how it's a team sport. How else do you create the greatest offense that this team sport has ever seen? No one guy is going to be responsible for that. It was all the elements perfectly aligned. I mean, it was a true stars are aligning again in a perfect storm of good and you saw the results so yeah and, and he won the Broyles award and so people have just defaulted and given him more credit i believe than he deserved well and he obviously, not to say he doesn't deserve any credit i'm saying he got more act yeah. here's my opinion on it you tell me if this hits i think people looked at what they were in 2018 and they basically returned everything, mm-hmm. and they said, "Oh, well, look! Well, the only thing that's different is Joe Brady. Yeah, he fair. must have been the magic unlock." Well, Joe Burrow got exponentially better. Yeah. Jamar Chase was injured for much of 2018. He had a breakout sophomore year. Thad Moss was became like well, well you know, <laughs> the no, best we, pass we, catching we, tight end we, we've ever seen. It. But LSU. the thing is, you can say that he was the magic unlock because the concepts that he brought. But those are still just concepts, right? Like that to me says more about what LSU was running in 2018 versus Joe Brady doing something overly spectacular, right? Like what LSU, and admittedly, he brought a lot of Saints, Sean Payton, Drew Brees type of route combinations and whatnot. And yeah, if you have a quarterback capable of making those decisions, we've seen what that offense can do with elite quarterback play, right? So it's like... That, that, that huge difference between 18 and 19 was less about Joe Brady and more about what LSU was running in 2018, which, of course, was Sullivan and these very incredibly outdated passing contests with only, you know, with seven-man protections and these long three-man rounds and basically only throwing the ball to Justin Jefferson. I mean, 
He was the unlock, but yes. You know what else he did do well, though? He must interview very well, right? Yeah. Because nobody got in the in in the boardroom and was like, oh, this guy's a fraud. Like, like no, like people still were all in on him after interviewing him. So he definitely interviews well. He communicates well. For whatever reason, it didn't work out in Carolina. It well then the let's be let's be very clear. The NFL is very much a copycat league. And when people saw young Sean McVay have success and young Cliff Kingsbury have success, it's like, okay, let's go replicate Which we can that. only say that about a Cliff let's, now. No, I know. Yeah. But in the NFL, I'm saying. Yeah. But like but what do we know about McVay prior? I mean, you, you know, it's it's that's what's being sought is the young offensive minded coach yeah. it, like to to replicate that so the, and joe brady was that hot name at the time so I, I get why he why he got the opportunity he did but i just want to be very clear i am adamantly opposed to joe brady being lsu's offensive coordinator he's not proven he can call plays and the other thing we know about him from his time here he told everybody he hated recruiting yeah it's why he wanted to run back to the nfl like you want that guy on your staff when he's not going to recruit? Oh, I mean, come on. Like, no. like, get You can do better. You absolutely can do better than that. And I'd be grateful for what 2019 was and the role he played in it. But like, if, if Steve Ensminger wasn't like the most humble outlier of a coach I've ever seen, like in an ego-driven profession, that man wants no credit. Right? I yeah. mean, you know Steve? Like... Steve just wants to sit at his home in his recliner and drink a beer and, you know, and like hang out. Yeah. I mean, well, Jack he, and Coke he, with the dip he, in. he wants to Jack and Coke with the dip in. He wants to go up to football ops, sleep on his mattress up there and just dive in like he he was so content. Coach, Bro, he was so content to be tight ends coach because he was making he's like, man, making more money than I ever made in my life. Coaching my alma mater. And nobody fires a tight ends coach. Yeah, he was so pumped, oh, yeah. you know, but it's like like. He just didn't want the credit that he probably deserved for 2019. Well, I mean, and we, we, one more, one more. Yeah. 2020, T, they averaged 32 a game yeah. with two freshman quarterbacks. Yeah. An awful offensive line. Opt-outs from Jamar Chase, Eric Gilbert, Terrace Marshall. Yeah. Injuries. Like, and did I mention two freshman quarterbacks and they averaged 32 a game? Like, the guy's a hell of a play caller, man. He does not. He. That's what I've been screaming forever. Ensminger does not get enough credit. Brady got too much credit. They both deserve credit, but there's just an imbalance, I think, in the minds of too many fans and probably the national media narrative. Yeah, but you're probably a couple wins better uh, if you have Ensminger arguably this year. It's a great lesson in uh, how sometimes we can get caught up. I know we talked about it recently, but you can kind of caught up in the bloodlust. Like, objectively looking back, you would have been better off carrying over Linehan Ensminger uh, for whatever that was worth and and sure, you. I mean, Pelini had to go, obviously, yeah. right? But but they just got caught. They it was the bloodlust, man. They got caught up in it, and and sometimes that happens. So, yeah, credit to Steve. Uh, I'm I'm very interested to see what Joe Brady does next. But yeah, we got to stop chasing the Joe Brady ghost. It's time for a new era. And if you just let go of Tommy Moffat, I'm not saying that's 100 percent the reason why you let go. But like, are you really going to bring in a guy who is so? tightly entwined with that 2019 national championship yeah. team i don't know i don't know no. so I, I i would not go joe brady as oc Bryles sounds awesome that'd be uh and i or levy i believe i have it on good uh, accord that 
if they offer the job to Levy or Barrales, they take it. Okay, cool. So uh, it's really just a matter of what does Brian Kelly want to do, and I I don't know. I, and, and to be fair, Kelly's track record is such that you got to kind of trust almost implicitly whoever yeah. he doesn't up hiring because he's done very well. In he's that done regard. very well hiring assistants, and and he has leverage and resources and a lot to offer um, wh- whoever he wants to go after. So I I trust that he will hire a good staff, and then you wait to see. As far as the current staff members, we talked about. I believe Raymond and Davis will be back. Um, Falk likely back as well. Baker's the interesting one people talk about. I don't know. But if it, I think you sort of just made this point, too. You don't want to be too interwoven with the with the yeah. previous staff. Like, Brian Kelly's going to make his own decisions, and that's fine. Um, and he's done it long enough at enough different places to, to trust his track record and his success, and he'll hire a good staff. Uh, another LSU story to touch on real quick. What do you think about N'Kobe Dean winning over Damone Clark? I'm not surprised. I mean, I, yeah. you're not surprised, but it still upsets me. Damone Clark had the better season. Nicobe Dean has had the better career. It's a bit like when they and gave it to Delpit. That's exactly the example. Uh, great, and that's that's not altogether uncommon. That happens in these awards because you yeah. have national writers that vote on it. And how many national writers do you think watched the LSU Ole Miss game where Damone Clark was busting ass down three touchdowns? Yeah, nobody. Right. You know, yeah, like, like the goal line stand yeah, reinforces exactly. the fumble like, out of bounds. They're not yeah. watching that. You know, I mean, yeah. they see the stats and they just see, oh, nice, nice season from guy on a bad defense. He's making all the plays, but they're not locked in. I mean, it's why it's usually biggest name on the best team. I mean, Georgia had the best defense of college football this year, although this weekend was rough. And Nicobe Dean is probably the biggest name aside from the big nose tackle on the on the defense. How did they lose? They got Jordan Davis. How the fuck did Georgia lose? He's so big. Oh. Okay, how about this? Am I crazy for thinking this? One more is like Kevin Minter should have won Kevin Minter should have won the Butkus yeah. in 2011. I'm sorry, in 2012. Yeah, the 20 tackle game, the one year against. Kevin Minter was a better player than Manti Teo was. Mm-hmm. But Manti Teo had the fake dead girlfriend. He played in Notre Dame and they were undefeated and there was a lot around it. And Teo won the Butkus and went and was a Heisman finalist. But like Kevin Minter was a look at Kevin Minter still playing in the league. Yeah. Teo's yeah. out. Like Minter was a had a better season that year, had more tackles, tackles floss, all that stuff. But Teo played at Notre Dame on an undefeated team. Kevin's got a big old head, too, dude. God damn, I used to hate hitting that thing. Um, played well with his hands. Today's podcast is sponsored by PreSonus Audio Electronics. They're a global pro audio company headquartered in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and they've been making pro audio hardware and software for a long time. PreSonus is the main reason this podcast sounds so incredible. We use their mics, headphones, and preamps in the studio. What makes PreSonus different is that they leverage their 25 years of professional audio studio manufacturing experience to make industry standard pro audio tech available to both seasoned professionals and first-time hobbyists at an accessible price. So check out PreSonus.com. They've got Bluetooth speakers, microphones, headphones, audio interfaces, recording software, and a whole lot more. Whether you're a musician, live streamer, podcaster, DJ, or you just enjoy a good podcast like this one, PreSonus is here for you, wherever sound takes you. Um, okay, SEC Championship. Tell me if I'm crazy. Okay. I, mean, I already know the answer What to that. you witnessed on Saturday... Look at what you're wearing. ...is not... I have a Star Wars Christmas sweater on and an LSU Santa cap, uh, for those that are wondering. Um, what you witnessed on Saturday, Matt, is actually not too dissimilar 
from what LSU fans witnessed in 2011. And I'm talking about relative domination. The way that Alabama controlled and won that game versus a team that had looked unstoppable all year long, right? The same way that we in 2011 at LSU had looked unstoppable. We're like, how the fuck do you lose 21 to zero? This is a Georgia defense that was giving up 6.9 points per game. And you can say, oh, well, they only give up 34, whatever. You're like, not 41, it's 34. Okay, 34, whatever. We're talking about. Uh, over five times their average, winning the game by 17 instead of by 21. And that's with a kind of garbage touchdown by Georgia at the end. I mean, it, relatively speaking, it is not that dissimilar. And what it shows me, like, fuck me. If Kirby Smart can get out coached like that, of course Les Miles can get out coached like that. So if you ever come to me again and ask me about what happened in 2011, if Saturday didn't just fucking show you what happened, Nick Saban happened. When you get... The full intensity of Saban's attention, it is a withering gaze. People falter under that gaze. I mean, maybe you catch him on an off day where he's distracted. It's the middle of the season. It's not as hyped up. Maybe you get him where he doesn't have all the fucking media saying they're going to lose so that he can sit there and just juice his players up with that. When he fully gets locked in like that, man, almost no one can 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 stand under that. And, and you saw this weekend, and, and this is what I'll say, for all the Stetson Bennett talk, if you want to talk about Stetson Bennett, sure, it ain't on Stetson Bennett. It's on Georgia's defense. You weren't winning games because of Stetson Bennett. You were winning games because of the Georgia's defense. Stetson Bennett did not fail Bulldogs. Georgia's D failed the Bulldogs. But there's a ceiling with Stetson Bennett. That's that is all well and good. They that is all well it. and good. JT Daniels we talked about this win that we, job. We, we talked about this weeks ago. It doesn't make a difference if your defense that gives up six point nine a game gives up thirty four. You fucking lose. That's the bottom line. Stetson Bennett scored enough to win. We saw other teams fucking hold Alabama to 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 what? I mean, Auburn scored almost without a touchdown. You were up ten nothing in that game. That's what I'm saying. And, and we're gonna put that game on Bennett. And, and they were no. I'm not putting it on Bennett. They're they're um. Georgia is is objectively a better team this year than Alabama. Like they're the better team, and they were up ten nothing. When Nick Saban is an underdog, you're fucked. <laughs> That's all there is to it. And all these people that keep that keep like messaging, can we agree Kirby's not a good coach because no, he lost to coach. Nick Saban? Yeah, he just put coach. together the best season Georgia's had in forty years. Like he lost to Nick Saban. Fucking everybody loses to Nick Saban. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like. He's the monolith that I mean, no no one no one can solve Nick Saban. Yeah, I have it written right here. This isn't about Kirby. It never was. This is about the Crimson Imperator. Like this is all about Saban. It fucking sucks. I'll tell you. You know what? I sucks? Had bought in. I had finally. I chosen Georgia. I took him to win, Matt. I thought this is finally when it was going to happen. I definitely took Bam in the points, but I thought Georgia would win the game. Ugh. Um, I, I, am in a really tough spot now. Because in the playoff, I have to choose the lesser of two evils. Which is probably Bama. Bama, Cincinnati. Uh, I am allergic to the idea of a, of a group of five team in the playoff. Like, you don't get to have a strength of schedule in the 90s and tell me you, you deserve a spot. Oh, I thought you meant between Bama and Georgia winning no, the 90s. No, Cincinnati. <laughs> okay. I, Cincinnati being in the playoff is a fucking joke. 
Do you realize, T, let me put this to you this way. Let me put some... So me, what if they beat Alabama? Let, they won't. They're going to get the... Nick Saban, they are going to beat the dog shit out of Cincinnati, and I'm actually going to revel in it. And then I'm going to hope Bama loses the natty. Uh, and I don't... either Michigan or or um, or Georgia. But... Wow, Michigan went in natty in 2021. would be crazy. Don't care. I'd be good with it. If it meant no... Yeah, hell no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, if LSU had not played UCLA this year, if they play... UC Santa Barbara instead and start the season with a win and then they they stack wins and get some good vibes and good momentum instead of the immediate you know downturn that happened maybe they make the play late against Auburn instead of giving it up yeah you know how different is this season basically what the committee has just said is there is no need to schedule anybody don't do it you Cincinnati played one game this year. They went on the road and beat Notre Dame. A Notre Dame team, by the so way. Wait, too. Maybe a Notre Dame team, by the way, whose only game against a ranked opponent was that Cincinnati team. So is that? Whoa, whoa chill out, chill out. It's a very impressive Notre Dame team. Eleven one. Brian Kelly did an awesome job. Sure. Beverly Care. It's a great Notre Dame team. This was not a good uh, Notre Dame. It's an incredible resume. Notre Dame team. Let's be clear. Eleven one. Brian Kelly's great coach. This was <laughs> not a good Notre Dame resume. Uh, all because of Brian Kelly. Um. Well, so maybe that's the actual lesson. Is just got to schedule the one. Schedule one big boy. But you have that you're good to go. in the SEC yeah. is the point. Yeah, There's oh, no yeah. need. There is no need. That's what the committee has said. There is no need to go schedule any tough games. I would schedule four. From now on, I, was, I would schedule four non-conference games against the FCS and basically give my team four weeks off. That's what I would do. Yeah, look, man, I think that... Um I don't think I have a lot of passion for this conversation. I, I know you do. I know you do. So I'm just probably it's, gonna, inf- it's infuriating. I'm probably going to take a step back here. I kind of like okay, cool. It's cool. Cincinnati got in. Uh, I mean, a little bit of it. Like if Oklahoma State wins, do you think they get in over Cincy? Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. So a little bit of it is like just a weird context of uh, exactly how things had to break, and then like the fifth place team being Notre Dame, who like you could not put Notre Dame in over because there was a literal head to head where Notre Dame had the game at home and got law so it's a little contextual i think but um she here's about lesser of two evils nothing would make me happier than cincinnati beating alabama holy fuck i'd be excited i think i have to cheer for alabama in that game <laughs> i mean i'm a man of principle i disagree I'm but i can alabama. appreciate that i want alabama to absolutely because for the greater good of college football cincinnati needs to be curb stomped so every group of five banner waiver can be shut up forever can be bitch slapped right in the face and made to go sit in the fucking corner well okay wow okay you do have a lot of passion i do for this a lot um it's annoying as fuck man yeah like, i know but like it's probably you know in a couple of years we'll probably have but, like a 12 team playoff anyway so but what i'm ready for is college football like not conference this that group of like just take the best team the best 60 teams or whatever and go have your own league and tell all the other little piss ants to go play your little games wherever you want to play them, and crown your own champion because wow. it is—it's in like we collectively as college football fans have had the wool pulled over our eyes, and too many inju- people are just sheep. Like, why do we need non-conference games against the G five, and and why do we need to play twelve games? You don't. It's a gate. That's all it is. It's a gate receipt yeah. for the home team, yeah. and it's a it's a payday for the little guy. Yeah. If you're like, well, they need that money. Fuck them. 
It's not LSU's job to fund ULM's program. Live within your means. Do a fucking bake sale, dick. Like, okay. I don't need. You're I don't need a lot that of game. shots at Terry Bowden right now that nobody fill needs. in the blank with random G five team. Okay. It doesn't matter. The point is nobody wants to see it. Nobody wants to see. Yeah, no, it's nobody not, wants yeah. to see forty point spreads. But we've just accepted that reality. And the yeah. best way to stop it is to stop going to those games. Um. Fuck yeah! I mean, but I'm not gonna tell people to boycott the home games. But I, 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 I feel you. I mean, those games boycott the home games. Th- those games hold no interest as a spectator. Like, like it was miserable waiting for 8 p.m. for LSU for ULM. <laughs> like, I think I lived. And you know, and you know, what you I get? lived and died three times. And you know what you get? LSU. We got a pretty damn good game. That? You know what you get? You get forty thousand people in the stands. Yeah, but we got a good game. Fucking embarrassing. And we got a Rich Rod meme. Okay, you can't put prices on memes. Um, um, we got, um, there was, we got the Rich Rod meme. You can't put prices on memes. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. It was awesome. Uh, no. So whatever. Do you, all, the other thing that is going on in the Saban Kirby thing is Saban has dad string. And we all know that, right? You can be physically superior to your father, but you still can't beat his ass. It's just how this thing No, works. I can beat my dad's ass. Eventually, yes. I think my dad. My dad's almost seventy. He's that's like, what I'm saying. He's like five seven. Eventually, he's way yes. overweight. But like, like, even when I was I in college and bit. I was in prime shape, and my dad was in like you know not as good a shape, I think he still would have beat the fuck. Like, I think I've crossed that threshold now too, where I could take him. But, but your it, dad was also a professional athlete. I'm saying all I'm saying is dad strength, older brother strength. These are real things. And Nick seems to have dad strength on Kirby, unfortunately. Now I am interested in Bama being in a potential. The other side of the rematch equation, right? Where, where they have to go and uh, be the team that's coming from the non-revenge position. Let's but, talk about that if we get there. Yeah, yeah, it's a while back yet. Uh, the other thing is Bryce Young actually played really well. Holy shit, Bryce Young's good. That sucks. And Jameson Williams really fast. That sucks too. And Jameson Williams isn't even as good as any of the receivers that have been there. He's not as good as Devontae Smith. He's not as good as Jalen Waddle. They're He's, just so fast. I mean, that's how they beat Georgia, just fucking speed. I know. I know. It's like a, it's like a Fast and Furious movie. You know what gives you great but speed? Nick Saban's Vin Diesel. Bayou Carlin Oysters. Family. It's a fact. If you eat Bayou Carlin Oysters, you will be as fast as Jameson Williams. Oh, that's my, my grandpa always told me it would just make me have sex longer. So. Oh, that's good. I guess. Oh, maybe that's it. I was wrong. You, no, you won't be as fast. You won't be as fast. Yeah. You're going to be slower. More controlled. We'll say more control. Especially if you have like a couple dozen on your belly, you're probably not going to be very fast. You will be a better lover if you eat Bayou Carlin oysters. That's, that is me saying that, to be clear. It's not yes, a company stance. That's your opinion. But, you know, I'm pretty smart. If you listen to this pod, you already know. Which is why I'm going to tell you to do the smart thing. Go to BayouCarlinOysterCo.com and use the promo code SCONENT. Get 15% off that order. Only once a week now for Scone and Tea. Thank God. I've already got rid of you on Saturdays. Now I get to get rid of you on Thursdays, too. Man, I'd be lying if I said I didn't miss some Don Juans on Saturday. Now, I did go into, like, sugar withdrawals from the lemon cookies. Uh, my lungs are happy. Yeah. Uh, my brain is happy for not being hungover. And my belly's happy for not eating a ton of cookies. But my heart is sad. Yeah. My heart is sad. Yeah. Uh, at least you had a bowl game, though. But it's on a Tuesday night. Oh, 
Weird. We're going to fire up. Are we going to fire up? Uh, I mean, look, I ain't scared. Whiskey and wine at 11.30 p.m. I ain't scared. On a Tuesday. I ain't scared. If there's one thing I am not, it's scary. Uh, I, I guess, but you're right. That probably won't be a Don Juan. Who knows? It might even be in Houston. Like, who knows what the, school, oh, yeah. what, what the station will end up doing. I don't know. With, with this one. There's a lot of, uh, and you know, look, that's the other cool part about Texas Bowl, Houston, LSU, all that. So, a lot that could be done there, potentially. Um, Matt, do you agree Oh, God, I want to wrap up this podcast. We've been talking for 53 minutes. What? That, that Michigan winning kind of feels like Christmas a little bit. Why? It just You know what it is? I think I've no. done the math. I think it's all just nostalgia, where it's like Christmas is kind of inherently a nostalgic-fueled season. Okay. And just seeing Michigan kind of be good at football again like reminds me of being a little kid, and maybe it's like the cold weather or something. I just get very Christmas vibes from Michigan winning the Big Ten. I don't get any Christmas vibes from what? Michigan winning the Big Ten. What? No. What about, what, about, what about Pittsburgh winning the ACC? No. What? Pittsburgh wasn't good when you were a kid? No, but this is something that's fucking like blue collar and kind of good about like a good a Pittsburgh Steel Town team. Also, the fake slide was fucking tight. God, it was so cool. The fake slide was super tight. I hope Kenny Pickett gets decapitated next game because of that. Wow. You're a bitch. You don't get the fucking fake slide? Yeah, fake That slide should be a tight. penalty. Nah. The defender eased up because he was going to slide. Well, I'm not saying that you don't need a rule change in the future, but it's not a penalty right now. I hope he gets decapitated. I hope he does another fake slide just so all you nerds can freak the fuck out again. Catholic High beat Jesuit. Take that, Gordy. Punk. <laughs> Punk. <laughs> Catholic High. I knew it. I was waiting on it. There we go. All right. Y'all have a great day. <laughs>